So you really only needed a couple things. Uh, just a couple things. First of all, you needed you needed darkness. So so you needed the sun to go down. And and particularly if it was a moonless night or or a cloudy night, it was was that much better. So so you needed darkness. The, the second thing of three that you needed were was was boundaries. You had to have boundaries. Oftentimes what we would do, the the boundaries would be on the south would be the the Owens and Bechtels and Ellistons on the north, the boundaries would be our yard. So you had to have prescribed pre prescribed boundaries. Uh, now sometimes we, if we had more people playing, if neighborhood kids joined in, the boundary would be the whole block. So uh, on our end, my, our house and the Owens house would be the west end, the east end would be the Cares and the Trouts. Uh, you you had to have darkness. You had to have prescribed boundaries. And then what you needed was a flashlight. Ha- have any of you ever played flashlight tag? It, okay, a couple people just sheepishly like like that's not anything to be embarrassed about. I'm sure none of our our kids have. In fact, you ought to try it. Flashlight track. Now, now actually, we should have called it the way we played it. It really should have been flashlight flashlight hide and seek, but just made, uh, it was easier to call it tag. But, but boy, we would spend hours in the summer playing flashlight tag. Of course, we didn't have video games or anything like that, but, but, but the, the reality of the game or, or, or what the goal of the game was, if you were the one with the flashlight, or sometimes if you had several people, there might be a couple people with flashlights, you, you would hide in that prescribed boundaries and, and then try to get back to base. So the person with the flashlight would try to tag you with the light. We try to get the, the light on you. So so you would hide. If you were here last week and heard me talk about, I, I oftentimes in flashlight tag would, would hide in the same place. I'd crawl up on the garage, get in behind that tree. And, and it was really cool in flashlight tag because you could see where they were going and it was dark. So I didn't have to jump off the roof like I did, uh, I talked about last week. I'd just leisurely climb down and mosey over to the base and never got caught. The, the rules were simple. The person or persons with the light tried to tag you, tried to tag you with the, the light. Easier than regular tag because you didn't have to chase anyone down. You just had to get the light on, on them. So it was a whole lot easier. So here's the deal. If you were illuminated, if you were illuminated by the light, you were caught or you were dead. It's kind of what Paul is talking about, we, we started talking about this last week, it's kind of what Paul is talking about in Colossians. Uh, chapter 2, we'll look at verse 20, and then we'll go on to chapter 3. It's kind of what he's talking about, that if we are illuminated by the light, then we are dead. And that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing, we're dead in Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians, we'll look at verse 20, and then parlay that into to chapter 3. So chapter 2, verse 20, since you die. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rule? And and then he goes into chapter three. Since then you have been raised with Christ. So so those are paired together. We died with Christ, but since we died with him, that's a good thing because we're raised with him. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. We talked about that last week, the first of 
three commands is that we need to set our, our hearts and our minds on things above. Uh, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here we have no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together, them all together in perfect unity. So last week, we looked at that first command, set. Set our hearts and our minds on things above. And, and we pointed out that set, the, the two translations of set had different ideas. One of them was was that we are to seek for. That was the first one. The second one meant we are to be minded or we're to be thinking about things above. And, and then we looked simply at two applications, that we need to take our focus off off of this world and off of ourselves and put our focus on things that are above. So here's the second Here's the second uh, command. This this will require some action on our part. It requires purpose and planning. We need to set, but we also need to stop. We need to set, but we need to stop. Notice what he says there in uh, the, the last part of verse 2. He, he says that we're to put our minds on things above, not on earthly things. So Paul tells us, what we need to do, and now he's telling us what we need to stop doing. The first thing that he's telling us to stop doing is is stop thinking. Now, now I don't mean generically that, hey, we're not supposed to ever think again, but we're supposed to stop thinking uh, about this world. Uh, we're, we're to replace that with, with, what, with what we're to think about as God. So Paul is telling us where our minds and thoughts ought to be, which is on heavenly things, and what we are replacing, what we are stopping, is to have our thoughts and minds on earthly things. So why do that? Why is he suggesting for us to put our minds in one place while taking them off another? It's because of what he said in verse 3. Look, look at verse 3. Verse 3 said, for you died. Before you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Because we died. When we, when we died with Christ to be raised with him, we also died to our old self. He's being very plain in, in the text here, very plain in these scriptures that, that we are alive in Christ because we died with Christ, but, but we're also to have died to our old self. 
Uh, let me look at some other verses. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 talk about this. Paul there says, what shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Our, our, our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions, our words were to be put to death when we came to know Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might, catch it again, we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Peter is talking about exchanging one way of living, one way of thinking, one attitude for another. Uh, stop thinking about our sinful nature and put it on righteousness, on God. In Galatians chapter 5, 24 and 25, we see it again. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, have, have, have died to that, we've crucified it. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When we died with Christ, we crucified the old man. We need to stop thinking about earthly things because we've died with Christ. And part of dying with Christ is that we die to our old way of life, our old way of thinking. Let me uh, let me illustrate it this way. I I don't remember how long ago it was. I mentioned it to Rita and she really couldn't think uh, uh, an exact time uh, with it as well. But, but it had to be probably 20 to 25 years ago uh, Rita challenged me. It, it actually was over a period of probably about three or four years, but she challenged me to stop drinking regular pop. She told me you need to start drinking diet pop. Now, now I know you health people are telling me that will tell me that diet pop's really not any better than than real pop, but uh, uh, it makes you feel good if you drink it. So uh, no, you don't feel good, but it makes you mentally feel like you're dr- trying to do something and getting rid of the sugar. So she had been telling me, had been on me to stop drinking regular pop and switch to, to diet pop. So 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 about 20 or 25 years ago, I made the, the switch. And and what I did, now now it took a couple weeks to kind of get there to, to to step, you know, put my toe in the water and then back out. But but after a couple weeks I did. I, I literally kind of I, I didn't necessarily say it out loud, but but my mindset was regular pop, you're dead. Uh, and, and what was really hard about that is because I love, particularly, I love a cold can of Mountain Dew. Oh, yeah, you, you with me, Kevin? Oh, oh, that that is the nectar of God, uh, a cold can of Mountain Dew. More so than a bottle or fountain, a cold can of Mountain Dew. And, and, and But what I, what I did was I, I just had to say, you're, you're dead. That is, I'm not going to live that anymore. I'm going to drink diet, and I'm going to like it. Uh, well, that took a long time to get there, but but I remember Rita telling me somewhere in this process, she said, "Oh, oh, Tim, when you start drinking diet pop, uh, just a couple weeks after you do it, you won't even like the taste of regular pop anymore." Well, she was kind of right and way wrong at the same time because because there's some regular pop I don't like now. But that doesn't apply to a cold can of Mountain Dew. Oh, I love Mountain Dew. Now, now I, I I rarely drink it, only on holidays. Tomorrow's a holiday, isn't it? Sweet. 
So yesterday was a wedding. It was a holiday for uh, Nicole and Keenan. So I drank a cold Mountain Dew last night to celebrate their love and the unity of their relationship. Thanks for pointing that out, Rita. Uh, and I'm going to have one tomorrow because I actually have one in my fridge. So I'm going to have one tomorrow as well to celebrate uh, our, our nation. Uh, but 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 let me let me kind of point this out. We uh, were, or, or at least myself, I'm I'm tempted by uh, I'm tempted by a regular Mountain Dew. Just just like and I think there's a correlation here. Just like we're tempted by our old life. Now. Now, the way I was able to, for the most part, win the battle against regular pop to put it to death was, was we got rid of it. We, we didn't keep any regular pop in the refrigerator. So I'd go out and open the refrigerator out in the garage, and there was Diet Coke and maybe a Diet Mountain Dew and a Diet Root Beer for her. And, and I could look around, and I couldn't find a Coke or a, a Pepsi or a, a Mountain Dew because we just got rid of now every once in a while in fact only only time we buy it now is if the kids come home for uh for a visit we might buy a 12 pack of mountain dew and 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 at the end of their visit uh rita will tell me now give them the mountain dew so i'll go out in the garage and i'll get the 12 pack let's say there's six of them left in there i'll get it and and every once in a while i'll take one and slip it in the back of the fridge and hide it back behind the other stuff so I can go later and get it, and she won't know about it. Uh, do, do we do the same thing with our old way of life? We, we think, and this is my thinking, one Mountain Dew every so often isn't going to kill me, isn't, isn't going to mess uh, my diet up, isn't going to make my blood sugar go that high, is it? I, I surely can drink one every now and again, and it's going to, be okay but but do we do that with our sin do we do, do we look at our old way of life and think well you know i can i can dip my toe in that old sin and i can i can think that way or i can go to that place or i can take part in that activity and and it really won't be that bad it really really won't make that much difference but here's the problem when when i pull that Mountain Dew that I've hidden in the back of the fridge out, when I pull that out and I check to make sure Rita's not around and I pop it open and it's sweating down the side and, and I take that first drink, you, you know what I think about? I think about 25 years before when I could go get one whenever I want. I think about, oh, I wish I could That's what God's going to have in heaven, by the way, is Mountain Dew for all of us. But but what do I do? What do I do when I sin? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I can just maybe I can just let my language go just because I'm hanging around those guys and I want to fit in. Maybe I can maybe I can go to that 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 bar and just drink a little bit because you know I don't want to be the outsider. Maybe maybe I can join in that 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 uh, that talk that isn't great or join in that gossip and it's no big deal if I do it just a little bit. But the problem is when we let that old man in, even if it's only for just a little bit, where does our mind go? Our mind goes there. See, see our, I, I mentioned last week that we're to, we're to have our, our hearts and our minds on, on things above. We're to, we're to set them on God. And, and yes, our life is busy. We, we set our, our minds on, on our families, on our kids. We set our minds on our jobs, on entertainment. And, and it's okay. 
But all of those pull us. All of those are vying for our time. And when we start adding, setting our minds on our old way of life, what happens is God gets pushed just a little bit further and a little bit further out of our consciousness. So so here's here's part of the problem they were having at the church at Colossae. And this is this is why uh, this is why he brought it up in particular is that 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 the teaching of Gnosticism, we talked about that first week in this series, that the teaching of Gnosticism had this idea that uh, in in part that we were evil, which was right there, that we, we are sinners, but but it also believed that God was everything spiritual was way up there and, and they didn't meet. God didn't really care about us. God didn't didn't connect with us. And so one of the attitudes, what what really people bought into, well, well, if I'm evil, if I'm a sinner and I God doesn't care about me, then there's nothing I can do. I might as well embrace my sin. And to that, Paul says, died to that way of thinking. Because the reality is, does our sin nature make our life better? Now, now, short term, we might say, well, yeah, you know, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes I really enjoy that sin. But, but does our sin nature really make our lives better? How many people look back on their lives and say, man, I'm glad I abused alcohol? How many people on their deathbed look back and say, man, I'm glad I got drunk every weekend. That, that just improved my quality of life so much better. You know, people look back by the thousands and say, that ruined my life. I, I hurt people because I didn't control that. How many people look back and say, wow, those, those illegal drugs or maybe even those, those legal drugs, that really gave meaning to my life. Man, I'm glad that I took part in that. No, exactly the opposite. People look back and like, why did I ever go down that road? How many people look back and say, man, I am glad that, that I was sexually uh, a, a sinner. I'm, I'm glad that I just did what I wanted. And boy, that added so much purpose to my life. No, you realize that it cheapened your life. It cheapened those relationships and it hurt relationships. How many people look back at, uh, at, at, at the sin in their life and say, now, some of you might be thinking, well, I dodged those. He didn't talk about me in any of those. But but how about selfishness and greed? Psalm 49.20 says, A man who has riches without understanding is like the beast that perishes. Oh, man, we can go through life and, and have money and things and think, man, that gives us so much purpose. And and a lot of times it makes life happy. It makes life easy in, in some cases. But But how many people that have have riches galore, look back over their life and realize that they're still empty. They still don't have purpose. How many how many people look back at their anger and their hate or they look back at their harsh words or their judgmental attitudes or their bitterness or their pride and self-love and say, man, I'm glad I lived that. See, the, the reality is our old way of thinking, our old self doesn't lead to doesn't lead to happiness, doesn't lead to fulfillment. That only comes through Christ. So we can live with that attitude. We can choose to live in a life of sin. And the church at Colossae was tempted to do that, but Paul was letting them know that that leads to destruction. Guys, stay away from that because you died to that. And 
And we need to stop thinking that way, not only because we died, but because we are His. Did you notice what it said in, in verse 3? For we died, and your life is now what? Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We belong to Jesus. We've been brought into His fold, and we are His. Last week I mentioned when we were talking about this idea of seeking, uh, uh, that, that set our hearts uh, meant to, to seek God and, and to seek Him that way. I, I mentioned how I, when, when I set my heart on, on Rita, when I decided, man, she was the one, that I didn't just think about her, but I actually did something about it. I, I sought her out. I asked her out on a date. And the reality is once we started dating, I mean, fairly quickly, am I right, Rita? Fairly quickly we got serious, right? You, you knew that, man, I am lucky he asked me out. Uh, or something like that. I don't know if that was it. That's what I was thinking. Wow, she said yes. And, and fairly quickly we got serious. Nine months later, we were engaged. I bought her this honking diver. I mean, I mean, this little bitty diamond. And, uh, and, and she said, yeah, I'll marry you. And we got engaged about eight months later. We walked down, she walked down an aisle with tears in her eyes. I want to believe those were tears of joy, but she had tears in her eyes and, and we got married. Seventeen months later, uh, our first child was born and our life has been a blast ever since. We have had 32 years of good, good years of marriage. We've been married 42, but we have almost 32. No, we, we've had great years, all 40, almost 42 come June, if we make it that far, uh, have, have been good. Now, now, now imagine this, if somewhere after we got married, uh, we hadn't been married very long and Rita walked over to the dresser and saw my billfold there and she picked it up and, and she opened up the billfold to take a little bit of money out of it. Any, any guys ever have your wife do that? Just kind of go over your billfold and, hey, I need a 10. And Rita really doesn't do that often. What if she walked over to my billfold and reached in to take some money out and she just got looking around and, and then she pulled out a picture. And, and she came up to me and she said, Tim, who is this? And, and, uh, and I, uh, I looked at it and said, that's Kathy. I told you about, I told you about Kathy Ferguson, Rita. Yeah, we, we dated in high school, remember? She was such a sweet girl. I really liked her. Uh, can you imagine Rita's response? I can. I, I've told you about it. I'd be bruised uh, on both arms and maybe you know, even a, up around the face area if that had been the case, but can you imagine her response if I carried around a picture of Kathy Ferguson, my old girlfriend, my wife? Now, just so you know, this is our wedding picture, and really, you can see it's not a picture of, of an old girlfriend. It's a beautiful picture of a guy that had hair and, and a beautiful lady that still is beautiful today. Did I win anything back there? <laughs> uh, but, but aren't we, kind of what he's talking about, aren't we guilty? Of carrying around a picture of a new girlfriend, if we if we kind of hang on to our old way of thinking, our old life, our old attitudes, our old actions, how how is Jesus supposed to react if we hang on to a picture of our old life? We're supposed to have died with Him and forsaken our old life and belong to Him, but we carry around a picture of our old self. I. I think, I think he would be disappointed. And yet, we sometimes do. That's why he says, for you died. For you died to that old way of life. 
here, here's the second thing that we need to stop. So we need to stop thinking about that old way of life and, and holding on to it, embracing it. We need to stop doing. So that, that really is just kind of the action part of that. We need to stop doing. Paul points out two actions that are required of us and, and kind of with those, he pairs with those two types of sin that we need to act on. Here's the first one. Look at verse five. We'll see the first action. He says, and this is why what we've been saying and talking about. He says, put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to that earthly nature. We are to exterminate. We are to exterminate that old way of thinking. And, and he, he describes it. Uh, whatever it was in your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We are to exterminate that type of sin. It was two days shy of a year ago. It was June 1st last year, June 1st, 2020. I was downstairs in a uh, elder's meeting and my phone beeped. I silenced it, but but I felt it vibrate in my pocket and I pull it out and I, I see a text from my wife and it says, come in bold cap, capital letters, it says, come home now. Now, that, it kind of scared me at first, but, but then the picture that she had sent with it popped up. And I looked at the picture. I knew if there was a picture, then it probably, I probably wasn't going to have to come home right then. But it said, come home now. The, the picture was of our garage. She was standing outside the garage, and slithering uh, on the floor of our garage was a 25-foot-long black snake or something like that. It looked about that long. She thought it was. And she's, you were still in the car, okay. <laughs> she waited till it climbed up the wall, and then she scurried in the house. She said, come home now. Now, she didn't say, come home now so that we could capture the snake and make it a pet. She didn't say, come home now so that we could capture the snake and then, then gently release it in, a, uh, in nature in a safer environment. She said, Come home now because I want you to kill that snake. I want you to exterminate. Now, now Paul couples with that idea, put to death, exterminate. Uh, he kind of throws some sins there. All of these sins, I'm not going to go in detail on, the, on them, but all of these sins you can see are, are kind of a personal sin. They're, they're more internal. They're they're actually kind of hidden from sight. You can actually be involved in this kind of sin for the most part, and maybe no one will know about it. But we can't keep on doing those sins and at the same time have our hearts and mindset on God. Second thing he asks us to do is to eliminate. Look at down at verse 8. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as the anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. We must eliminate those things. Now, now, interestingly enough, these aren't quite so hidden. These tend to be on the outside. They tend to affect other people uh, and not in good ways, and they tend to affect our witness. So we are to we are to exterminate and we are to uh, eliminate. Next week, we're going to look at the last uh, 
the, the, the last command that he throws out to us here. So we've looked at, uh, at the first two. Uh, we're, we're to set our, our minds. We're to stop thinking and doing. And, and next week we're going to look at the last one, and that is to step. I'm, I'm just going to, uh, as I finish up here, I'm just going to introduce this, this thought, and then we'll, we'll develop it next week. Look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. We are to clothe ourselves. The Greek word there for clothe is the word in duo. In duo uh, means literally, I mean, and clothe is the right way to interpret it, but, but a literal translation of in duo is to get into or to enter into. Uh, Ray, if you can throw that picture up. Last last week, I called uh, I called my son Joel. Joel's a firefighter in Springfield, and I I, I said, Joel, uh, wh- what do you do when you're at work, it, middle of the night, the fire bell goes off? Explain what happens when when that that goes. And he, he started to talk. He said, Well, we get out of bed, and I put my put my slides on and head down the truck, and I stopped him. I said, now, now hang on, hang on, hang on. Like your gear, Joel, where's it at? Because I thought he was going to say it's right by the bed because I've seen the TV shows and, and it's always right by the bed. And he said, no, no, we can't do that. Our gear actually, for, uh, for health reasons, has to stay out of the living area, has to stay out by the truck. So, so he said, this is what we, we, we do. We take our bunker gear. Here's a picture of his bunker gear. Uh, and, and we set our bunker gear right outside the truck. And he said, literally, we go to the truck and we have, the standard is we have one minute to get from our bed to in the truck, geared up, ready to go. So he said, we, we run to the truck, and I step into, if you can see that, that that's a pair of boots. I said, I step into my boots. I, I pull up my, my, my trousers, for lack of a better term, and, and pull the straps over my shoulders. I take, on the top, you can see a hood. I take the hood and put it over my head. Then I put my jacket on and grab my helmet, and I get in the truck. And we are geared to go. He, he said, my bunker gear is always in a state of readiness. Because when when we're required to go, we have to step into it so that we can act. We'll, we'll, we'll talk next week about what that means, what we are to step into. But the reality is that's that third command. So, so we're to set our minds on things above and and, and, and that's good. Take, take them off things of the earth and put them on things above. We're to, we're to stop thinking about the wrong stuff and stop doing the wrong stuff. And, and then we're to step in. We're to step in to being like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and the challenge that your word gives us. We pray, Lord, today that you will help us uh, retrain our minds to take them off the things that are from this world and put them on you. Stop thinking about what would lead us astray that would tie us back to our old life and, and, and stop doing the things that, that really don't lead that to fulfillment or happiness but lead to destruction. Lord, give us the strength to do that. And Father, more importantly, help us step in to what you want us to do. We pray this all in Jesus.